Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. We are coming to you live on this MLK Day. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We have just so much to talk about today. We may or may not, we'll see, but we're hoping to speak to Nor Bin Laden later this show, uh, live from Davos, Switzerland, where she's covering the World Economic Forum's great big meeting that they're doing. Uh, We'll be taking your phone calls, lots of videos to show you as well. I hosted the Sunday night show last night, and very quick turnaround, just a couple hours later, Robot Polisher uh, published a little edit of one of my more objectionable rants, and uh, I love it. It's fantastic. It's really great, and I just wanted to show it here again. Robot Polisher, go follow this guy on Twitter. He just does this. We don't pay him. We don't tell him to. He just is a really dedicated fan, and and we love it so much. So here's Robot Polisher with a little rant from last night. Transgender man gives birth to non-binary partner's baby with female sperm donor. This headline actually says is man (laughs) impregnates woman. It would be weird if you opened up the newspaper one day and it was like, breaking news, a woman has been impregnated by a man. You'd be like, well, that is not news. That happens all the time everywhere. But it's like, no, no, you don't understand. One of them dresses up and acts like and demands that people say that he is a woman and the other one uh, doesn't believe in gender. No, 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 no. Not everybody can be a robot polisher. They're trying to portray it as right-wingers are um, protesting against LGBT people. LGBT people, there's normal people. They're going about their business, just like some lawyer going to get his latte at at Starbucks. Just like, morning, Jim. Hey, how you doing, Bob? And then there's just like uh, right-wingers just like, stop being gay! Ah, Stop being gay! We hate you being gay! Like, it's not about being mean to transgender people. It's not about just like... A woman usually wearing a dress. Like, no, no, it's it's that you have our doctors and our healthcare professionals and our bankers and our police all engaged in this absurdity, all willingly subjugating their own common sense and logic and basic observation to the whims of some faceless mob that demands that you reject the evidence of your eyes. It's too much already. It's too much already. We've gone too far. That's just too far. It's too far now. It's That's enough. It's actually too much. Is the book publishers censoring the word of God to appease LGBT psychopaths? It's about the drag queen story times where strippers are taking money from little children and outside of it are mass-clad communists holding AR-15s threatening to shoot anybody that stops the pedophilic entertainment and the law enforcement's on the pedophile side. And it's girls, underage girls, being exposed to male genitalia in locker rooms at YMCA and being told by all the authorities she's the one in the wrong, she's the one that needs to shut up, she's the one that should never go to that locker room again, and if she dares speak up about it again, they'll ruin her life and you know get her fired from her job, and they'll laugh in her face because she thinks wrong. There is no end to this. They keep pushing because... That's how they get their power. To accept the premise of the motion that woke culture has gone too far is to determine that the clock of progress should stop ticking. I think that would be ridiculous. There is no finish line to the pursuit of progress. As you heard right there, has no end point, has no culmination, has no goal they're trying to reach. It's just deconstruction. It's just destruction. It's just 
domination. That's all they have. That's all they're going for. Progress, he says, has no end goal. No end goal. I mean, where does it end? Nowhere. They don't think it ends anywhere. Take it from them. It doesn't end anywhere, which is the best argument you can possibly make for stopping them right now. You are going for nothing. You have no goals in mind. You have nothing that you're trying to achieve. You have no point at which you will be happy. You are just weaponized ants, you know, carrying out the actions of a queen who despises you. It's about forcing people to accept absurdities as if it's true. That's the point. Because if they can make you pretend to believe something you know is untrue, they've won. They control your brain. So this isn't about trans people. It's about all of us. And the stakes are very high. (laughs) If they can make you believe absurdities, they can make you commit atrocities. It's a cult. And it's very bizarre. Not everybody can be a robot polisher. It's not homophobic. It's people who don't want children being... It's Monday, January 16th, Year of Our Lord, 2023. And you're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. So glad you're here with us today. Hope everybody's having a happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hope you're not working. We have a lot to talk about today. We're, we're going to get into just all sorts of stuff. We're going to be talking about the everything from the war in Ukraine to the Biden uh, new documents that were found in his garage to some other interesting communications between him and Hunter Biden. We'll also be talking about, of course, the Great Reset as it kicks off in or, uh, the World Economic Forum, kicks off their yearly meeting in Davos this week. And we're going we're gonna to try just about every day this week to connect with somebody in Davos uh, to get the on-the-ground on the reporting there. Lots of videos to show you. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show today, and hopefully we'll be joined by Noor bin Laden. She's there in Switzerland, in Davos. And, of course, being overseas, uh, communications is uh, not as regular as we would want. So we'll try to connect with her. But, uh, again, the time difference and the, the communications – We'll see if we do that, but hopefully we'll talk to her in the third hour. We'll certainly be taking your calls throughout the show and lots of videos to show you. Let's just get into it. Here it is, your Daily Dispatch. (laughs) We'll add it in post. We'll do it in post. Oh, there it is. All right, here it is, folks, your Daily Dispatch for Monday, the 16th of January, 2023. Additional documents found in Biden's Wilmington home, White House says. The revelation came as the White House defended its public statements about the extent of the documents that remained in Mr. Biden's possession. The White House revealed that more pages with classified information were found in the garage of that home this week in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Five more pages containing classified information were found at President Biden's Delaware home on Thursday. The White House said... On Saturday, bringing the tally to six such pages uncovered this week, the additional pages, person with direct knowledge of the matter said, were discovered hours after a White House statement on Thursday morning that cited only one that Mr. Biden's aides had discovered the night before in a storage area adjacent to the garage of the president's home in Wilmington. And we'll get into this more as the show goes on. We'll talk about the whole timeline of document discovery, and we'll we'll do a little compare and contrast to you know the way this was handled when it was Donald Trump with the supposedly 
stolen classified documents. I don't think you'll be surprised at how completely different these two reactions from the authorities are. There's been no raid of the Biden homes. There's been very, very, very moderate outrage from the people in the mainstream media, although there is minor annoyance from them, right? You're actually seeing some modicum of dissent from praising Joe Biden as if he's the second coming of Jesus. So it's it's very new and weird, right? Typically, you know, if it was Donald Trump doing this, they'd be pulling their hair out. They'd be screaming. They'd be sent calling it treason and sedition. Uh, but the fact that they found something that they're willing to at least moderately criticize Joe Biden on, I mean, this is a major sea change, folks. When the mainstream media uh, offers a, a mild criticism to the Biden administration, I mean, that's that's something new that we're not used to. We need to really figure out what's going on here. And we will talk about that. We'll talk about whether this is a, a legitimate thing, whether they're going to try to cover this up, whether they're going to you know give up on the prosecution of Trump because of how hypocritical it would make them seem, or if this was simply the initiation uh, or, or I should say like just uh, commencement of a plan to oust Joe Biden uh, because there's some you know bigger scheme going on for which he would only get in the way. We'll see. We'll see and we'll speculate and we'll determine what we think is uh, going to happen later in the show. Meanwhile, major story this weekend. Oh, I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to laugh. Martin Luther King Jr. statue in Boston draws online mockery, comma, disdain. This is the headline from Washington Post. Mockery and disdain. On Friday, a collection of civic organizations unveiled a 22-foot-tall bronze statue in Boston Common, the the nation's oldest public park, honoring the relationship between Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife, Coretta Scott King. Of course, you can always... Ask the FBI about how good their marriage was. Oh, no. Oh, don't say it. Sculptor Hank Willis Thomas found inspiration in a photograph of the civil rights pioneers embrace after King learned he had won the 1964 Nobel Peace Prize. Look, we'll uh, we'll get into this a little bit later. It looks like it's not a good it's not a good statue. It's not a good statue. It's disgusting. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, and and we will talk about it, and we will mock it, and we will laugh at it, and we will laugh at the people involved, and we'll do it knowing that it may be one of the last times we'll be able to do such a thing. We will exercise our free speech. Look how awkward that photo looks. It's so weird. Like, let's take this awkward photo and make it into an even more awkward sculpture. It's all awkward. But, folks, we're going to... We're going to really do it. We're really going to criticize these people and the people involved and all of that. We need to because it may be our last chance. It'll be the last little hurrah for criticizing people of color. Congresswoman introduces bill that criminalizes criticisms of a non-white person by a white. This is not a joke. We've got the text of the bill, and we'll, we'll dedicate some time to this because I have not seen anybody cover this. This is from – a website called National Conservative that I don't think I'd ever been to before. But it's the only article I've been able to find about this bill. This is a real bill. Congressman Sheila, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee has presented the 18th uh, – has represented the 18th District of Texas since 1995. She's the sole sponsor of House Bill 61, which she introduced on January 9th. She told the bill leading 
Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023, it calls for a new type of federal hate crime conspiracy charges that only white people can be charged with. It says that individuals can be charged with a white supremacy-inspired hate crime for crimes or plots they had no actual knowledge of. The bill says that any white person who criticizes immigration or vilifies any non-white person or group can be charged with committing a federal hate crime conspiracy. The only thing necessary to charge you with a crime is for someone else who read something you wrote to com- commit or plot a crime. This could be something as minor as a post on social media. The bill would be a soft repeal of the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. And yes, we will read the text of that. Uh, Bill, it is not being overstated in that article. If anything, it's being understated. She is literally trying to make it illegal for white people to criticize non-white people. It's completely insane. But that just makes it perfectly in line with everything else we're covering. Today, e.g., this next story. Owner of Miss Universe says it will be, quote, run by women, owned by trans women. Uh, Translation, it will be run by men. It'll be run by men. (laughs) Yes, it's a new era, folks. Thai businesswoman hailed a new era after the competition been run by men for 70 years. It's a new era, folks. Now it's it's still being run by men, but they're crazy men now. It's a new era, folks. It's still being run by men, but now the men are insane. (laughs) It's a a brave new world we're entering into. It's uh, Miss Alternative Universe. It's really incredible. Uh, Finally, we have this, and this is probably going to be our main topic of the day. World Economic Forum uh, meets in Davos to confront a new world order. That's the headline from New York Times. Same headline that you see at Bloomberg. Same headline that you see across mainstream media as they all use exactly the same words, verbiage, syntax, sentiments, because they're all being controlled by a centralized mechanism. That is the World Economic Forum. It's really incredible. We touched on it last night. Actually, I spent a long time on it, but I didn't, I didn't get to the point that I wanted to get to. So we'll, we'll try again in today's uh, episode to talk about the fact that through the white papers that they've published, through the you – know, in, in coordination with or in conjunction with the language that's being used right now by world leaders and people in the World Economic Forum to signal to each other we've entered into a new uh, phase of globalism, a new – you know, frontier of the globalist takeover, and they're signaling that to each other. And so we can look at their scenario planning and their, you know, organizational documents to figure out what this means for us, where we're going next, and how they'll be orchestrating the downfall of humanity. Stay tuned, folks. It's American Journal, InfoWars.com. Support us at InfoWarsStore.com. We're doing a major broadcast tomorrow. Hope you tune in for that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, InfoWars Live products have always been the highest quality triple tested, and you've seen the rave reviews. But doing deep research, we made contact with the top company in the United States, and it turned out they were supplying almost all the raw materials to the companies that we were already using. So we've gone directly to the source, and that means we can give you lower prices on the very same high-quality supplements, and in some cases, even better. Introducing InfoWars MD at InfoWarsStore.com. InfoWarsMD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com has 10 new products. Turmeric 95, Libido RX, Better Mood, Nitric Boost, Mushroom Max, Anotropic, Angels Vitality Collagen, Superfood Greens, and more. Just take the Superfood Greens. This is the highest quality greens out there, and it's at a price way, way lower 
than the same product on store shelves for up to twice the cost. Find InfoWars MD at InfoWars Store. I've taken a lot of supplements over the years since high school, and they had great effects. And the science has gotten better and better and better over the years. And now with all the things we're bombarded with, and the water and the food and the feminizing factors, it is more important than ever to use the compounds God gave us to boost our natural male potential. But these products work great for women as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Pain MD. It's a number one national bestseller under another name. We got it discounted for 40% off at InfoWarsStore.com under the label InfoWars Platinum. We've also got HGH Max Boost. Read all about it. Be very safe with it. I take only a fraction of what they say at first and take it before you go to bed at night. Don't do it uh, during the day. 1776 Testosterone Boost. Totally incredible. Go read about them. Learn more about them at InfoWarsStore.com in the InfoWars Platinum section. And you get 40% off on these already best-selling products under the new name InfoWars Platinum. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. How you get so much favor on your side? Accept the measure, Lord and Savior, I replied. That's your love, that neighbor, not the bad. Alex Jones was right, ladies and gentlemen. He was right about the war in Iraq. He was right about the war in Afghanistan. He was right about the Patriot Act. He was right about COVID-19 and September 11th. I think he was even right about Sandy. No, I didn't say that. What? He's been right about literally everything, folks. Not one thing you could say he's wrong about. It's really incredible. Just living in the world... That Alex Jones predicted 20, 30 years ago. If only we had done something to prevent it back then. We're not in a hopeless situation. We're just in a much, much more difficult one. It would have been a lot easy to a lot easier to prevent what's going on than to have to reverse it all. But it's not hopeless, and we will still fight for everything we are worth. And we'll continue to take on the globalist head on. We will continue to prosecute prosecute this information war, this physical manifestation of the spiritual combat that all of humanity is engaged in. We'll continue on our mission. All that we do is we ask for your support at InfoWarsStore.com. We hope that you tune in tomorrow for a very special day of broadcasting. It's the Alex Jones was right emergency broadcast Tuesday, January 17th begins with this program at 8 a.m. Central Time. And we'll continue until 12 midnight. Amazing guests, breaking news analysis. You can watch live at band.video and infowars.com. It's the Alex Jones Was Right Emergency Broadcast Marathon Broadcast Day starting tomorrow morning in exactly, well, uh, 23 hours and 49 minutes. That'll begin. So tomorrow morning, hope you tune in. Hope you donate. Hope you contribute. Hope you help us to... uh, keep this mission going you know we really are like like we're just like the forward team we're just we're the scouts we're the rangers we're the you know like kanye west puts it the swat team busting down the door breaking through the barrier only for you know the rest of the patriots to to follow in after us and right now what it feels like is that we're way behind enemy lines we're way we're deep into enemy territory and we've bushwhacked and you know fought our way into some holding position and behind us is a massive crowd it's the entire conservative political establishment by this point 
I say it all the time, but you know, TPUSA, you go to one of their events, you hear a lot more about the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab than you do about Joe Biden or tax cuts, right? Conservatism itself has been inalterably changed by the rhetoric of Alex Jones, exposing the real scale and mindset of our enemies, the globalists. And that's that's coming through. So behind us is this massive army of all of the the now awakened normies, the the weirdos, the freaks, all the people that have always been on InfoWars as well as just millions of new listeners. They're following us, but right now we're pinned down. We're in some, you know, hiding position and suffering sustained bombardment. And so we just need to hold out for a little longer. And then we'll not just make it through, but actually defeat the enemy and be able to, at some point in our life, I believe, rest on our laurels and enjoy the fruits of our victory. I really do believe that that uh, is coming. It's just we have a lot of fighting to go still. So I hope you, I hope you do support us. I hope you can be our, our relief forces, our supply ch- train, uh, getting us what we need to continue to fight here deep, deep behind enemy lines. So let's get into some of the wider view stuff because there's a lot of other stories that we could cover, some good actually, some not good, but things like BBC is the virus, the story from InfoWars or from Gateway Pundit actually, but there's a story on InfoWars as well. At least six BBC buildings across UK covered with photos of people who died from the COVID vaccine. You've got what's going on in Brazil and the way that this coup was orchestrated by Joe Biden and the uh, deep state here in America. Wealthy elite now requiring unvaccinated crew to fly their jets. Pilot claims we've got evidence showing Hunter Biden was paying $50,000 a month in rent, apparently, to his dad. So we figured out the way that they laundered money that way. But there's a lot, a lot of other organizations that could tell you about these stories. They might not have the more in-depth reading of of some of these situations, but let's stick to what InfoWars does best, which is give you the uh, 35,000-foot bird's-eye view of the situation and tell you where it's going from here. We don't play catch-up. We lead the way. So the World Economic Forum is meeting in Davos, Switzerland this week, and they're being protected and surrounded by 5,000 Swiss guards, like they're the Pope or something. Of course, the Pope's probably there. Probably are actually the Swiss guard, you know, bodyguards of the Pope there. But in this case, it's the Swiss army. And I want to explain something about how this, how this works and how this reflects the wider ideology of the globalists. There's a video that was going around saying that the, you know, Satan's throne is in Geneva. There's all these you know, reasons as to why Davos would be picked. I'll tell you the truth. It's because it's one of the nicest places in the world. And these people are billionaires and elitists who have houses all over the world and can choose any location. And so they choose, they choose the best one. But it's more than that. It's that Switzerland is kind of an incredibly amazing place historically. Totally unique. I mean, you know about Swiss banking, right? You know about the secrecy laws that they have. You know about their neutrality, persistent neutrality, regardless of war raging around them. They're able to stay safe. And actually, their whole population, you know, it's, it's one of these places where 
you have to join the army or do a year of service as any young person graduating high school. Every single person is required to have a gun and to keep it in their home. Not only that, but to get in or out of Switzerland, you've got to use bridges and tunnels to get through the Alps. And every one of those, I believe to this day, but certainly during World War II and for a long time after, are rigged with explosives to collapse the tunnel or collapse the bridge and turn the entire country of Switzerland into a fortress. It's a really amazing thing, and it dates back to you know Julius Caesar's day. Right, Julius Caesar fought the Marco Mani, who are still the same people, the same lineage, the same blood that live in Switzerland to this day, and they have this amazing culture and you know this fortress-like country and this this amazing army. I mean, they're totally secure, and you know, for generation upon generation, they've built this up, they've created this to protect themselves and to have something that. You know, they all share collectively, and the World Economic Forum is composed of people who had nothing to do with that, who never built anything, never contributed anything, never offered anything. But that's theirs now. All of that security, all of that organization, all of that you know, community organized to, to provide protections for themselves, it belongs to the World Economic Forum now. They've taken it. They can demand whatever they want be done with it, and it is carried out. 5,000 soldiers patrolling the streets, Davos, the roads in and out, being patrolled constantly by police with checkpoints, biometric surveillance and scanning. So this whole you know, beautiful culture and nation that's been built up over thousands of years by the Swiss people, it's not being employed for the Swiss people anymore. It belongs to the World Economic Forum now. It's theirs now, and that's what they do. And that's what they're doing to the whole world. All the stuff that your ancestors have built over generation upon generation, it belongs to the World Economic Forum now. They decided they deserve it more than you do, and they'll do whatever they want with it. Like a rock thrown into a pond, your actions, even though they may seem little, have a massive ripple effect throughout time and space. We're actually winning the info war. And when you realize that Bandot Video has hundreds and hundreds of censored directors and investigative journalists and talk show hosts whose information is beyond incredible. Hundreds of medical doctors and scientists, all of them right now telling the truth at Bandot Video. Millions of people a day visiting Bandot Video. But you can take that information and cause a bigger ripple effect, an amplifying effect, and make sure it gets out to your friends, your family, your neighbors, and perfect strangers. You are the modern Paul Revere's. You are what takes our information and amplifies it. When you decide to take action, we as a species and as a race are invincible. So I thank you all for your past action, and I challenge you to redouble your efforts now because humanity and the children are counting on you. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Welcome back, folks. It's American Journal. Glad you're here with us. This week, the World Economic Forum is meeting in Davos. In other words, the real global government is meeting in Congress this week to plot policy, set agendas, and give orders to their national authority counterparts to carry out later this year. Yes, folks, the world government that Alex Jones has been warning about for decades is no longer a prediction. It's a reality. 
It exists. It is here. And we laid out yesterday on the Sunday Night Show how that works and how that looks, showing you publications from the World Economic Forum you know, a year ago, two years ago, saying here's what we're going to do next. And then you watch the next year as those orders are carried out, things like the you know, farming, the ban on farming. You know, the World Economic Forum comes out and says, hey, you know, I think we can use this COVID scam to stop people from farming. And lo and behold, later that year, the Netherlands, Dutch government comes out and does their bidding. And if you try to protest it, they'll shoot you with a gun because they love democracy so much. The desires, the dictates of the World Economic Forum will be imposed upon you regardless of whether you like it or not, with or without your consent, whether it's vaccine mandates or the 15-minute city or eating bugs or homosexual indoctrination in your elementary schools. Whatever it is, your input is not required or even asked for. No, if you disagree with them, you are a terrorist, and that's the, that's the, the structure of the global world. The only argument that you can actually make in favor of globalism from a you know, geostrategic level is ostensibly you would have less war, right? If you didn't have nation you – know, nation states go to war with each other. So if you just sublimate those nation states into a globalist combine, uh, you don't have war anymore. Don't have nation states, you don't have war. But you'll still have war. It just won't be wars as we know them, as we have known them for all of human history when one nation goes to war with another for a – a uh, certain amount of time until victory is achieved or declared and then you know peace reigns again that's not the case anymore now so have nation states going to war you'll have the global government organization cabal conspiracy at constant war with everybody who disagrees with them at continuous warfare with any group or individual who dares to oppose any aspect of their campaign so we're not going to have nation states going to war anymore. We'll just have persistent, continuous, small-scale, low-intensity war systematically eliminating any opposition to their program. That's the future under globalism. It's not less war. It's just a whole different type of war. That's even worse in my opinion. But the headline is this from BBVA.com. Davos Forum 2023, Cooperation in a Fragmented war, uh, World. You also have actually the title of this year's gathering. I'll get the exact one here. Bloomberg has the headline, Billionaires Headed to Davos Reflect a Changed World Order. New York Times has almost an identical title. In fact, they changed it. The one I printed out is different than the one that's online now. This one, they removed the word world because I think it was a little too on the nose for them. World Economic Forum in Davos confronts a new order. The online article says New World Order, just in case it wasn't already insanely obvious what they're trying to bring about. Uh, but the actual title of the, uh, of the World Economic Forum uh, program this year, I've got to find the actual one. Maybe I forgot to bring it over. So I want to, I want to get the exact, uh, the exact right one. It, it essentially is just saying – uh, that we're in the hack attack phase of of their program. I got to find the actual one. World Economic Forum says it's day one of the WEF 23, and our first daily podcast of the week is live. They're gonna have a podcast telling you all about what they're doing. It's just you know we turned off the comments so no one can respond. We don't actually want you knowing what we're up to, 
and we certainly don't want your opinion on what we're doing. Now, let's just be clear here. We'll just uh, cruise over to uh, the Substack here where there's uh, links to all this sort of stuff. The Davos Agenda at theworldeconomicforum.com, weforum.com. It's like they're hiding it from me. It's like they don't want me to know what the event actually is. This is infuriating. This is the 2002 one. All right, well, maybe the crew can figure out what the uh, name of the World Economic Forum uh, gathering is this week. It is annoying me. I had it up. That's it. Thank you. Did I go right past it? (laughs) There it is. Annual meeting Davos 2023. Cooperation in a fragmented world. It's confusing because, you know, you've got headlines from the New York Times and Bloomberg that say almost exactly the same thing. So it gets, you know, it all gets mixed up in my head when you have the mainstream media using exactly the same verbiage as uh, the others. Okay, yeah, so that was the headline. It's just weird because it's hard to find it from the World Economic Forum's actual publications, but that is the name of it. Cooperation in a fragmented world. What does that mean? That means that they're using the language to signal to their you know, counterparts in the national media and everywhere else that they've entered into the next phase of their program. And so we are going to return to the lockstep document. And I know we, we sort of mention this all the time, but I want to really dig in and, and help people to understand the mindset of the globalists through their own words. So we go to this lockstep document, and you can see this, uh, you know, this axis, this quadrant chart where you have you know, two axes, an X and a Y. And these axes are political and economic alignment and adaptive capacity. Okay, And these range with political and economic alignment between strong and weak and with adaptive capacity between high and low. So essentially they're saying that you know, in these scenarios, you'll have four different scenarios, one that has strong political and economic alignment and strong and high adaptive capacity, and then ones that have you know, strong alignment but low capacity, adaptive capacity. And by adaptive capacity, they mean ability to change in the face of new circumstances. And they say, and their belief, and we'll read it here, is that organization and centralization is necessary for dealing with new situations. So they say this. These are, again, the two axes that they align these situations on. For global political and economic alignment, they say on one end of the axis, we would see a more integrated global economy with high trade volumes, which enables access to a wider range of goods and services through imports and exports and the increasing specialization of exports. We would also see more cooperation at the supranational level, fostering increased collaboration, strengthened global institutions, and the formation of effective international problem-solving networks. So in other words, when they say political and economic alignment, that's exactly what they mean. They just mean globalism. They just mean that supranational, in other words, overnational organizations have more power. The organizations – uh, the nations themselves are working together at a higher rate. Uh, trade is happening at a you know, greater scale. And again, it, just to consider it for a moment, you know, the more you're trading internationally, the more pollution you're creating. So, I mean, even their, their own framework flies in the face of you know, the, the policies that they're making. They want to stop global 
warming and climate change and pollution, but also their number one desire is to increase the number of massive cargo ships plying across the Pacific Ocean on a daily basis. So again, these people are – they have no real principles or values. They have openings that they exploit. They have levers that they pull. That's all they have. So that's political and economic alignment. So again, you can read when they say strong or weak, what they mean by political – it just means more globalism or less, more centralization or more decentralization, more internationalism or more localism. And they're entirely on the side of internationalism. Then the other axis is adaptive capacity, and they say this refers to the capacity at different, at different levels of society to cope with change and adapt effectively. And again, their belief is that the more centralized an organization, the better at adapting it is. And that's why you had things like Walmart stay open during COVID because they have the corporate structure to enforce rules through all of their stores, and it would be a lot more – Difficult to do that with a bunch of individually owned stores all cooperating in one. So their desire is control, and we'll get more into it on the other side. In early 2022, InfoWars launched a very important fundraiser that kept us on air. Your support of that fundraiser is the reason we are still here today fighting the globalist and having incredibly successful results. So I thank you for your past support. Now, that was a three-coin series, the founding member coin. The final coin that we're putting out for a long time is the Teddy Roosevelt Man in the Arena coin, exclusively available at 1776coin.com. There are only a few thousand of the coins left. And yes, there's a markup on the coins because that's why it's a fundraiser. And the coin is a collector's item memento of your support during the Second American Revolution. So if you want to get one of these coins, they're going fast, and you can get $30 off on the coin with promo code 1776 at 1776coin.com. Thanks for keeping us on the air. I'm pointing my finger at you, and I'm also pointing it right back at myself. You forget to take your multivitamins. You forget to take your vitamin D3. You forget to take your Brain Force Plus. You forget to take DNA Force Plus. You forget to take DX3. And you know it makes your life better. And you know it makes you healthier. And you constantly forget. And when you remember to do it, you're a lot healthier. This stuff will blow you away. Plus, it funds our operation. We've got the biggest sale of the year going right now at InfoWarsStore.com with promo code 1776. Go to InfoWarsStore.com and use promo code 1776 to get up to 60% off on these best-selling products. The lowest deal is 40%. Most of the sales are 60 or 50% when you use promo code 1776. There's too many products to tell you about them all. They're all kick-ass. They keep us on the air. Please continue to support, and I love you, and I thank you. 1776 at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, folks. Global political and economic alignment and adaptive capacity. Those are the two axes. Is that the right word? Axes is that the... World Economic Forum uses to grade the world, basically. It's basically as simple as that. And so on this quadrant, they have, you know, these four areas. Clever Together is their, you know, obvious choice. 
say a world in which highly coordinated and successful strategies emerge for addressing both urgent and entrenched worldwide issues. This, of course, was the willing application of globalism. If people would have just voted for Hillary Clinton and just you know, swallowed the pill without complaining too much, uh, then this is where we'd be. But we avoided that by electing Donald Trump. So then they launched lockstep, which they say a world of tighter top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. And that was – COVID, and of course, it predicted the release of the virus and just everything down to the letter, and it told people you know, how that will be used to gain a more globalist control, and then they carried out that plan right in front of our eyes as we all watched together. But it didn't work fully. Not everybody took the shots. Not everybody went willingly along with them, and actually you had some backlash in certain places. But this too can be turned to their advantage as we enter into Plan C. So plan A, clever together. Plan B, lockstep. Plan C is hack attack, an economically unstable and shock-prone world in which governments weaken, criminals thrive, and dangerous innovations emerge. And so this is what I mean when you see Justin Trudeau saying this world is increasingly fractured and dangerous, and you're seeing this uh, rhetoric from all sorts of World Economic Forum controlled world leaders and others, and why you have now the Davos meeting this week. Being called cooperation in a fragmented world. See, they're signaling to each other because they all know this type of you know indoctrination and training and lockstep. Not in any way the last time this happened, right? That was twelve years, thirteen years ago, and they've had many more training sessions since then to again reaffirm and reestablish the the game plan moving forward. And so now they're all signaling to each other. Here's how we'll be moving into the future with clever together, right? If it had been that, the signal would have gone out to say we're we're on the march. We're doing this full bore. No need to hide or, or you know, conceal anything. We just do it in the open. We have these people where we want them. Let's take them down. Hack attack is signaling to everybody. We're about to make things go completely insane. Things are about to get absolutely crazy. You thought COVID and Black Lives Matter and the 2020 elections were insane. You ain't seen nothing yet. 2023 is going to be significantly more insane. And they're signaling to everybody, here's how once that insanity begins, you maximize and then take advantage of it. Okay, that's what they're signaling to everybody, just so we're clear. Before we return to the lockstep document, I want to go to a couple of videos just to show you what it looks like when these guys get together and uh, what the point of all of this is. So first, let's go to clip number 19. As, as I pointed out, you know, this great fortress nation of Switzerland, all you know, 5,000 soldiers, all of their police are now wearing World Economic Forum badges, and they don't work for the Swiss people anymore. They have been, for the moment, temporarily hijacked by foreign billionaires to serve them instead. So all roads in and out of Davos are now closed and patrolled by 5,000 military and police personnel. Access is allowed or denied based on fingerprint ID. So let's watch what this looks like. I don't think there's any audio, so I'll just talk over it. But let's play the B-roll of clip 19 here. You see somebody scanning their fingers as the police, uh, you know, use the biometric surveillance grid to, you know, figure out who they are and if they're allowed to come. So again, they say their ultimate goal, their agenda for 2030 is that you will have no privacy. You will own nothing. You will not have a car and you'll eat bugs. They, meanwhile, on the other hand, take their private jets to eat filet mignon and caviar and lobster and champagne. And they 
get 5,000 soldiers to guarantee their privacy to ensure that you know unfriendly media doesn't even get close to them. So they'll have they'll be able to watch you continuously every second of the day through your phone or through biometric surveillance embedded under your skin. Like their desire is an absolute destruction of privacy down to your very thoughts. You won't even have those be private anymore. While they get to set the policy and engage in you know agenda setting in complete darkness, completely enveloped in shadow. Absolutely nobody able to see what they're doing or what they're up to. So again, it's not that they're being dishonest. They're actually being perfectly honest. They're telling you, you will have no privacy. You, you will own nothing. They'll own everything and they'll be so you know, private you won't even know they exist. And that's the case with a lot of these things. And Klaus Schwab, well, we, I mean we know he's the figurehead of this organization, but he is in no way the person pulling the strings. I think that's you know fairly obvious from the fact that the dude's a professor. Like he has no actual financial clout or anything of the sort. So the people actually pulling these strings are the the banking families that are uh, in control of all of this, and they're not even reported. They don't. Even, people don't even know they exist. That's how private their existence is. But this actually happened. The police surrounding Davos actually pulled over the rebels' new rebel news van. Clip number eleven is Ezra Levant laying this down, saying police in Davos just pulled over our rebel news van. Let's watch. How are you today? Hello. How are you? No, it's... Standing behind me in bright orange are police. There have been a reported 5,000 police and military that have been authorized to protect the World Economic Forum as they meet this week in Davos, Switzerland. Of course, I haven't seen 5,000, but I have seen hundreds. In fact, along the way into town, every 100 meters or so was another gaggle of a half a dozen cops. I also saw military and military police. Well, one check stop pulled us over. Our carload of journalists, we all turned on our cell phones, and here's what happened. How are you today? Hello. How are you? No good. No good? Why not? Why is it no good? But it's a free country, right? Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? A very light touch. I simply said, I thought this was a free country. And the cop said, well, yeah, I guess you're right. And he waved us through. No fingerprints, no passports, no ID at all. I really liked it. What a nice change of pace from the country I live in, Justin Trudeau's Canada, where peaceful protests are often met by riot horses like this. Yeah, I like it here in Switzerland, and I can see, though, why there are so many police. The World Economic Forum is not well-liked, although the only protests last year were from Antifa. We'll see how it goes this year. To see all our reports, go to wefreports.com. So there's Ezra Levant talking about uh, getting pulled over there. But again, you know, it's, they didn't stop him from coming in, but why'd they pull him over then? Why pull over somebody if you're just going to let them go as soon as they say, actually, I want to go? Well, because there's a psychological advantage there. There's psychological advantage that says, yeah, I'm letting you come in, but you just know that it's by my permission. And I'm letting you know that if I choose to withdraw that permission, 
I'll be forcibly removing you. And of course, we know that Jack Posobiec got confronted last year at this. See, unfriendly media is not welcome. The only media that's welcome there are the media that is in on it with them, who are open and willing to cooperate to perpetuate the globalist scheme, scam, and operation. So luckily, there are some people uh, there, and we'll be talking to them throughout uh, this week, of course. And yeah, there's the WF police. That's from last year, 2022, with the two uh, goat heads ramming each other. Just like, well, should we have patches for our police? Yes, but make sure it's demonic. Make sure it reflects the true Satanism that we are gathering to celebrate. It's a sacrificial goat, you understand? You've got to remove the journalist from talking about us because, after all, we're protecting democracy. It's just as absurd as you could ever possibly imagine. But again, the important thing about this year is they are advertising to everyone that they're moving into a... It's almost counterfactual. It's almost like hard to comprehend, but it's a decentralized centralization, and we'll get into how that looks on the other side. Folks, we'll be back in the second hour. We'll open up for you. Open up the phone lines for your calls. Get your input on all of this and more. We'll get into some of the more um, political, domestic stuff as well. I do want to tell you to go to InfoWarsStore.com. Tomorrow we're doing the big Alex Jones Was Right marathon broadcast, starting with this show at 8 a.m. and continuing to midnight tomorrow night. But don't wait until then. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and help us stay, uh, stay on air. And you can do that by just strictly donating. That's the best and most effective way to support us and get us the funds that we need to continue this operation. Uh, but of course, I think the best way is just to buy a supplement. Buy one of the supplements. Not only are you supporting InfoWars, but you're getting a fantastic supplement that will improve your life and health if uh, used correctly and combined with exercise. So go to InfoWarsStore.com right now to keep us on the air. We'll be back in one minute with the second hour of American Journal. Like a rock thrown into a pond, your actions, even though they may seem little, have a massive ripple effect throughout time and space. We're actually winning the info war. And when you realize that Bandot Video has hundreds and hundreds of censored directors and investigative journalists and talk show hosts whose information is beyond incredible, hundreds of medical doctors and scientists, all of them right now telling the truth at Bandot Video, millions of people a day visiting Bandot Video. But you can take that information and cause a bigger ripple effect, an amplifying effect, and make sure it gets out to your friends, your family, your neighbors, and perfect strangers. You are the modern Paul Revere's. You are what takes our information and amplifies it. When you decide to take action, we as a species and as a race are invincible. So I thank you all for your past action, and I challenge you to redouble your efforts now because humanity and the children are counting on you. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. American Journal's second hour has begun. We'll take your calls this hour. We're going to continue to talk about the high-level strategy of the World Economic Forum. There's a lot of other stuff we need to cover, and I'll get to some of it, certainly, such as the new bill proposed by Sheila Jackson Lee that will make it illegal for only make it regal uh, illegal for only one race to criticize any other race make it illegal for white people to criticize any other 
person or group of people that is not white. Pretty incredible stuff, and we'll dig into that, and I'll read you the text of the actual bill being proposed. Also, we might, you know, we'll we'll try to spend some time on the the Joe Biden document situation as well. I mean, that is having major effects, but you know, it's like uh, Democrats being hypocrites, breaking breaking Democrats are untrustworthy hypocrites. I don't know if you knew this or not. So I think it's a little bit more important to take a look at what the billionaires and members of the royal family and political leaders are doing in Davos right now outside of the penetrating eye of press or media away from the observation of the people over which they exercise total authority. And we'll get back into the lockstep document and talk about hack attack and where that means that we're going here in just a second. But I think it's worth it just to to bring up for comparison two very, very different worldviews. See, these people have a particular worldview. They like to pretend that what they support is just – it's just basic common sense. It's just progress. It's just you know normal and all this stuff is good. You know, as if it's not an opinion of theirs, as if it's not a position that they hold that's, you know, would be equally valid to hold the opposite position. They they act like and they project the idea that what's happening is just inevitable, natural, to oppose it is to oppose the most basic reality. It's not the truth, though. My vision of the perfect world is the exact opposite of their vision. My vision of the perfect world is total decentralization to the most minute level you could possibly get. I would love to see – and you can just you can just look at like any, any setup, right? Any setup. Their desire is centralized control of everything, whether that's food or power or water or anything else. They want, they want it centralized because that makes it easier to exert control over the widest amount of people. How different is it to have a decentralized, less controllable power structure or you know, food production structure? I just want to be back at the time before you know, World War I, things like that. If you go into any small town in Texas, you'll see beautiful stone buildings, opera houses, libraries, these amazing handcrafted buildings, but only before World War I because by the time World War I came around – the entire world was forcibly reorganized, especially America, into the assembly line structure, into the centralized corporate structure. No longer did you have a small town where you had a master mason and a, uh, you know, authors and, and school teacher and like everything, uh, you know, in the town that you needed for the town to thrive. Now all of that talent and you know skills and training and all that stuff. Be taken away from the small towns, centralized in big cities, and all the men that you know helped to build these towns were all shipped off to die in a war overseas for no particular reason. And you know because they needed soldiers that could be easily integrated into the army, they had to get rid of the you know small schools in Texas where they only spoke German. Like they have to be speak English, so once they're you know soldiers, they can take orders, right? So all of the decentralization. So my perfect world is like. You know, small town where you've got the power generation happening there using resources that were gathered near or around the town. The farming takes place around and near the town. They've got their own food supply. They've got their own power supply. They've got their own wells and water. And so it doesn't matter what happens at the town down the road. This town's good no matter what. 
They've got everything they need there. It's, it's the complete, exact, verbatim opposite of what the globalists want, which would be just one. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, folks. So we are looking at the lockstep document to see how it reflects what's being said in Davos this week as World Economic Forum meets. And again, this isn't just speculation. We're reading from their internal documents. We're reading from the things that they themselves have published, the Rockefeller Foundation, the World Economic Forum. We're looking at what they believe about the world, and you have to ask yourself, is this actually a situation that you're in uh, in favor of or against again i would see a, a a future i would desire to see would be something where it's more decentralized people have more control and more say over you know everything in their life more influence i mean i guess it's just a matter of would you rather go to a walmart full of you know fluorescent lighting bathing the Minimum wage workers with the surly attitude selling plastic-wrapped trash produced by a corporation in China that had shipped the stuff across the Pacific Ocean and is, you know, it's all centralized and controlled from far away and then just distri- distributed through this huge soulless warehouse? Or would you rather you know, have a little town where you've got a baker and a cheesemaker and a cobbler and you, you know, it's just – individually owned family businesses that get passed down father to son or you know sold to a a new owner once the owner wants to retire like there's a future that's human and there's a future that's inhuman there's a future that's localized and there's a future that's globalized and centralized i know which one i prefer and the globalists know which one they prefer and they prefer the centralized one because it offers them easier vectors of control it's as simple as that and the other thing is that It's predicated, and again, this is all ironic and hypocritical considering that they are predicating most of their moves on so-called climate change and global warming. It's ironic really uh, because nothing could be worse for the globe and for nature and the ecology than A, the trading networks that they have now where – you know, things are shipped across the ocean multiple times before they ever arrive at the arrive at the store shelves. Right? You can just imagine how many, how much more, how many more resources and pollutants are created, uh, resources destroyed and pollutants created when you take you know a tangerine from Argentina and then pack it up in a plastic box and ship it across the ocean to China, where it's taken out and cleaned and washed and done everything, and then it's repackaged in plastic, and that plastic is put in a cardboard box, and that cardboard box is put in another larger box, and that shipped across the Pacific Ocean again, and then put on a truck, and then put on a train, and then shipped a thousand miles to the grocery store, where it's then it then it would be like somebody growing a tangerine in their garden and taking it down the road to the farmer's market to sell. You can just imagine which one produces more pollution. So again, all of their solutions and all of their like their desires and it's not just that, but all of that is also justified and predicated and and you know, founded on this sort of unspoken concept of infinite growth that is just a straight up ponzi scheme whether it's social security or, or anything else they their entire economic you know, view is of infinite growth forever, which is unsustainable, which is why you have things like the Ponzi scheme of Social Security now necessitating the importation of 
millions of foreigners because, you know, according to these people, the human beings exist to support the economy, not the other way around. It's not that the economy is there to help human beings facilitate their lives. It's that the human beings are there to make sure the economy keeps growing. And if the economy is not growing, then you replace the human beings rather than reorganize the economy to reflect what the human beings involved in the economy actually desire. So this is the completely warped view of the globalist that's being perpetrated right now, and you have to understand this from a foundational level to get why our opposition is so strident. So all that said, where we are now is hack attack, and the words that they're using to talk about Davos and, and uh, the you know unity in a fractured world, it all reflects this idea that we're moving into this hack attack phase, and the phrase hack attack – is an important one, and we'll get into that in just a second. But let's go to this lockstep document that just like it exactly and, and creepily accurately predicted the COVID pandemic, it's the same here. And it's creepy that they're able to predict this so well because they're not predicting anything. They're telling you what they're going to do, and then they're the ones that do it. So as we go through here and you see these devastating shocks and natural sudden disasters – it would all make perfect sense if you didn't know that the World Economic Forum was the one bringing about these disasters. Natural disasters like unpredictable weather patterns, well, that's the consequence of the geoengineering that they're engaged in. But they don't tell you that. The economic disaster that we're currently living through and looks like it's going to get a lot worse, they would rather you believe that that was COVID-19, not the measures that they imposed using COVID-19 as an excuse. They destroyed the economy. They also, by the way, don't know if you know this, created coronavirus. So again, all of these things that are happening, all these so-called disasters are perpetrated by the very same people that then use those disasters to get their way. And we sort of went through how that looked at COVID uh, yesterday. Let's continue with this document. Hack attack, they say. In other words, plan C. An economically unstable and shock-prone world in which governments weaken, criminals thrive, and dangerous innovations emerge. And again, you know the scenario planning document. They have they they bring up fake occurrences. They bring up things that haven't actually happened uh, as a like they're they're playing a a game, right? They're playing like a fantasy game, and so they're just using you know disasters as as an example that they're making up. So when they say like in 2015 when this happened, well, this was written in 2010, so they they don't know what happened in 2015. They're just prognosticating. But it says, no one was prepared for a world in which large-scale catastrophes would occur with such breathtaking frequency. Then they list a bunch of things that haven't happened, but you could replace them with things that have. Not surprisingly, this opening series of deadly asynchronistic catastrophes put enormous pressure on an already overstressed global economy that had entered the decade still in recession. Massive humanitarian release efforts cost vast sums of money, but the primary sources from aid agencies to developed world governments had run out of funds to offer. These dire circumstances forced tough trade-offs. The U.S. reallocated a large share of its defense spending to domestic concerns, pulling out of Afghanistan, where the resurgent Taliban seized power once again. Yeah, check, 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 right? They did all of these things. They've done all of these things. The program is operating exactly as they planned in europe asia south america and africa more and more nation states lost control of their public finances along with the capacity to help their citizens retain stability and order resource scarcities and trade disputes together with severe economic and climate stresses pushed many alliances and partnerships to the breaking point they also sparked proxy wars and low-level conflict in resource-rich parts of the developing world 
for example, I guess you could say Ukraine, right? So we've got that as well. Check, check, check. We're, we're just going down the checklist. So again, from these people's minds, you sort of have to read between the lines, but they all understand this when they read this. They're not saying that this is bad, that you know nations are incapable of taking care of their citizens anymore. They're saying this is an opportunity to take advantage of that fact and supersede the power of the government by offering the people uh, support and comfort from them, not the government. They say, with governmental power weakened, order rapidly disintegrating, and safety nets evaporating, violence and crime grew more rampant. Check, check, because of the defund the police movement and the uh, perversion and bastardization of the justice system. We're seeing that as well. Countries with ethnic, religious, or class divisions saw especially sharp spikes in hostility. You know, the countries that the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and the Bilderberg Group all helped to make multicultural, right? They bring in the foreigners. They cause the division. They cause the strife, and then they take advantage of the strife that they're causing, Problem, reaction, solution could not be more simple. Meanwhile, they say overtaxed militaries and police forces could do little to stop growing communities of criminals and terrorists from gaining power. Well, like, like the cartels that are making billions off of the uh, open borders that the World Economic Forum and the UN demand. So again, just every single one of these things they mention. Safety nets evaporating, violent crime, criminal organizations, open borders, division between ethnic groups and countries. All of this has been brought about by them. Economic destruction, the COVID pandemic, all of it is from them. And now they're telling you how they're going to use all of this to bring about the Great Reset, to bring about first the destruction, then the rebuilding of the world economy in a form that places them forever at the top. Because, again, they don't want to go down in the collapse they don't want to burn inside of the building they're catching on fire they want to essentially create a, a controlled demolition while they're riding on top of the you know roof of the buildings but by the time it's at the bottom the world is destroyed but they're still on top mark twain one of america's greatest writers and satirists in minds famously said more than 150 years ago rumors of his demise had been greatly exaggerated because the newspapers kept saying he died decades before he did die. And it's the same PSYOP today. InfoWars is more influential and more powerful than ever because of your support and because of the facts of what we've covered is coming true. But if they can convince you we've been shut down, if they can convince you that we're going away and you stop supporting, you stop spreading the word, then they do win. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one group of people that can shut down InfoWars, and that's you, the viewers and listeners. If you decide we're done, we're done. If you decide to go to InfoWarsStore.com and get supplements and books and films and t-shirts and so much more, we will stay on the air indefinitely. It is all in your hands. So thanks for your support. Stand up against the globalists. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and keep us on air. It's up to you. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four-and-a-half-year-old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding. 
is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, folks. I just realized I never gave out the phone number. If you want to call into the American Journal, give us a call now. The number to dial is 1-877-789-2539, 1-877-789-2539. Lines now open here at American Journal. Call us about any and everything you want to talk about. And I know there's a lot of other news we can talk about. I covered a lot of it on Sunday night, so I don't think it's quite as um, necessary to, to cover all of it today. But I just, I really just want to keep digging into – you know, the World Economic Forum, the lockstep document, just for as long as it takes to get into. I really think it's worth it, and you'll see why. So we've just covered, you know, the view of the globalists, their desired, you know, structure of the world being centralized, top-down control. And they admit that here in just a second. I'll show you. And then they have this lock uh, uh, hack attack, right? This is supposedly the alternative to the lockstep situation. Really, it's, it's just what comes after lockstep. Right. First, they throw the world into chaos through their creation of a manufactured disease and the unscientific but hugely damaging lockdowns and masks and everything else. So they've put us in this position. Now they are telling us how they're going to exploit and take advantage of that situation. But they continue with their scenario planning you know, fantasies about what might happen in the future. When they say this, in 2021, 600 children in Cote d'Ivoire died of a bogus hepatitis B vaccine, which paled in comparison to the scandal sparked by mass deaths from a tainted anti-malarial drug years later. The deaths resulting, the deaths and resulting scandals sharply affected public confidence in vaccine delivery. Uh, parents, not just in Africa, but everywhere, began avoiding vaccinating their children, and it wasn't long before infant and child mortality rates rose to levels not seen since the 1970s. And here they take a little break to give us a quote. Every once in a while in this document, they give us little quotes. And this one, again, gives you fantastic insight into the mindset of the tyrannical psychopaths that are writing this document. They say, quote, we have this love affair with strong central states. And again, they just act like they impose this belief as if it's what everybody – as if everybody agrees. Everybody loves powerful centralized states, don't they? No. We don't. You people do, obviously. You love central. The only people that love centralized, powerful states are the people that control those states, the people that can use that centralization for their own ends. People under those centralized states don't like it. It's not about democracy. It's about control. They say, but that's not the only possibility. Technology is going to make it even more real for Africa. There's uh, the same cell phone penetration rate in Somalia as in Rwanda. In that respect, Somalia works. That from Aiden Ayakuzi, the uh, from the Society for International Development, Tanzania. So again, they're telling you they're like centralized states, centralized control is the only path forward that we see. And opposition to that means that you just you know hate humanity and want humans to be violent and. Um, you know, conflict ridden. That's not true. There is no reason why two states with differing alignments, differing political positions and religions, I mean, they can be completely different. There's no reason why those two states should be in conflict with one another. To the globalists, there is no conception of, you know, peaceful coexistence. There is only domination. In their belief, 
you know, one group should rule everything. And that's it's good. It's good that one group should rule everything. And anybody opposing that uh, is just against progress. But they continue. Technology hackers are also hard at work. Internet scams and pyramid schemes plagued inboxes. Meanwhile, more sophisticated hackers attempt to take down corporations, government systems, and banks via phishing scams and database information heists. And their many successes generated billions of dollars in losses. Desperate to protect themselves and their intellectual properties, the few national, uh, multinationals still thriving enacted strong, increasingly complex defensive measures. They say verifying the uh, authenticity of anything was increasingly difficult. The heroic efforts of several companies and NGOs to create recognized seals of safety uh, and approval proved ineffective when those seals were hacked. Yes, the the heroes at the NGOs working to, you know, uh, impose a biometric surveillance system on you. They're, They're such heroes. They talk about GMOs and how, like, you know, not all the hacking was bad, actually. We have GMOs, which are good, and, and do-it-yourself biotech. So again, they're like, you know, hacking is bad. Unless you're hacking the very building blocks of life itself by manipulating DNA to grow food in an unnatural way or, you know, hacking human beings to turn human beings into some sort of unthinking robot. That's good. Those are the good types of hacking. They're telling you this. This is what they say. They say, but despite such efforts, the global have-have-not gap grew wider than ever. The very rich still had the financial means to protect themselves. Gated communities sprung up from New York to Lagos, providing safe havens surrounded by slums. Yeah, kind of like what happened with the defund the police program, right? You defund the police for the wider community, and then you have private neighborhoods building fences around their place, then hiring private security guards. So if you can pay for it, you'll have security. If you can't, you won't have it. That's the world of the globalists. In, two, in 2025, it was de rigueur not to build, uh, to build not a house but a high-walled fortress guarded by armed personnel. The wealthy also capitalized on the loose regulatory environment to experiment with advanced medical treatments and other under-the-radar activities. Those who couldn't buy their way out of chaos, which was most people, retreated to whatever safety they could find. With opportunity frozen and global mobility at a near standstill, no place wanted more people, especially more poor people. It was often a retreat to the familiar, family ties, religious beliefs, or even national allegiance. Trust was afforded to those who guaranteed safety and survival, whether it was a warlord, an evangelical preacher, or a mother. You can see why this is not their desired outcome, right? And again, we're presented with their view of the world in complete contradiction to most human beings' view in the world, view of the world. To most human beings, it's not a bad thing to you know, find comfort in your family, to find you know, to, to treat your mother as a safe haven where you can go for you know, protection and care when the world is mean. To the globalists, that's that's the mother encroaching on their territory. That's the mother fulfilling the position they should be filling. They want you coming to them for protection, coming to them for solace, not going to your mother, not going to some family or, or friends or community organization. The globalist should be your sole source of comfort and protection. So that's what they're mad at. They're mad at, at somebody encroaching on their monopoly. And again, they say this like it's a bad thing. Family ties, religious beliefs, national allegiance. This is what they say, you know, in their view, if you love things like your nation, if you have religious beliefs, if you value family as a societal structure that provides the foundation of, you know, building a life, they think you're stupid and bad. They think you're you're just fearful and scared, and so you're retreating to these old, outmoded, uh, uh, outdated modes of you know, human behavior. 
these people are weird. These people are unnatural. These people are psychotic. And again, it, you know, it's not it's not that we're imposing this on them. This is what they're telling you. They're telling you that religious ties, religion, or um, family ties, religious belief, and national allegiance is some sort of fearful reaction of the people. No, it's a perfectly natural loyalty to those closest to you. And these people don't get that because they're not human. In other areas, people manage to create more resilient communities operating as isolated microversions of formerly large-scale systems. Again, they see this as a bad thing. They don't want this. They would rather have, you know, Tyson Tyson's food growing a million chickens in a giant warehouse where they never see the sun and they're injected with antibiotics and hormones to keep them growing faster and stave off the disease that would otherwise wipe out the entire population and then to, to bathe them all in bleach and send them out through a centralized they prefer that over like a couple family farms that's their view it's horrifying the second american revolution is happening right now against the new world order and the answer to their 1984 tyranny is the 1776 mindset. And InfoWars embodies that fight for human liberty against globalist tyranny. Now, in the last year, we've done a very successful fundraiser of silver coins. When you buy the coin, you know that you are supporting the transmission and you get a historical memento so you can remember the great contribution you made to freedom. Now, despite the fact that the coins are selling out, the last of the four coin series, Teddy Roosevelt Man the Arena, we're offering it for $30 off right now while supplies last at 1776coin.com. And just like an NPR pledge drive where they mark up a coffee cup or a t-shirt or a DVD 300%, that's what we've done with this because it's a fundraiser. But despite that, we're offering $30 off exclusively at 1776 on what coins remain. Please go to 1776coin.com right now. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. We will take your calls, ladies and gentlemen, in this segment. We'll finish up here with talking about the lockstep document and the hack attack phase into which we are being uh, forcibly entered. So again, they lay down, they lay out how uh, what hack attack would look like, and again, just keep that title in mind, hack attack, because we'll get back to that in just a second. But they uh, again, you know, just talk about how all of these uh, large scale systems are no longer trusted. Uh, the the you know international cooperation is is collapsing, and again, we'll we'll compare what you're hearing now. The reason I'm reading all this right is because you need to hear what they say in their white paper documents. So then we when we read their announcements about the Davos meeting this year, you can see all of the same stuff reflected in it. So you know that you know this is all you know organizationally important for them to get everybody on the same page. And so this is where it all ends. This is this is the part you need to know, right? The role of philanthropy in hack attack. So all this is about philanthropy, right? How can you be philanthropic? In other words, how can you use your billions of dollars of ill-gotten gains to forcibly alter the trajectory of the world against the desires of those over which you're imposing your rule? 
That's what philanthropy means these days. Philanthropy, they say, in this hack attack world, is less about affecting change and about promoting stability and addressing basic survival needs. Philanthropic organizations move to support urgent humanitarian efforts at the grassroots levels doing, quote, guerrilla philanthropy by identifying the, quote, hackers and innovators who are catalysts of change in local settings. Yet identifying pro-social entrepreneurs is a challenge because verification is difficult amid so much scamming and deception. The operational model in this world is a, quote, fortress model in which philanthropic organizations coalesce into a strong single unit to combat fraud and lack of trust. Philanthropy's biggest assets are their reputation, brand, and legal slash financial capacity to ward off threats at attempts at destabilization. They also pursue a less global approach, retreating to doing work in their home countries or a few countries that they know well and perceive as being safe. So the most important sentence here is obviously this the operational model in this world is a fortress model in which philanthropic organizations coalesce into a strong single unit to combat fraud and lack of trust and again it's worth noting that the fraud and lack of trust that they're combating they created they initiated is a consequence of their programs it's so simple it's so predictable it's so it's a rote at this point right it's it's practically like a like a drill they're carrying out continuously. Because what is what are the things that are causing chaos and disruption in the world today? They're the things that were brought to us by the intervention of international organizations, intelligence agencies, the media, and of course these very supranational organizations such as the UN. Who is empowering the cartels? The UN by funding the migrant crisis to the southern border who is causing the economic strife the covid pandemic lockdowners who forced us into a global recession who's responsible for covid in the first place the world health organization and the powers that be that created the virus and released it from a lab what brought about the ethnic division in formerly homogenous countries the forcible importation of millions of foreigners carried out by the world economic forum the un and all of their you know various compatriots in that effort so every single aspect of the collapse the war in ukraine that they started i mean it's all from them it's all the 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 outcome of their programs then they're using that confusion and chaos and fear to gather more control And here they're saying, you know, the tactic we're taking now will be to centralize these philanthropies, go a little bit undercover as we do this, because people now are sort of waking up and realizing that what the World Economic Forum has planned for them is not what they want. And so they're fighting back against it. And so the new thing will be to have these little philanthropies just disrupting things at a local level so that, you know, you don't get big pushback from the rest of the country. You just get you know a couple people in a city that are mad at you, and you can handle that. So it's all it's they're they're decentralizing their centralization. It's it's confusing, but that is what they're doing. And then they have this uh, segment here: technology and hack attack. They say echoing the rise of th- synthetic criminal uh, chemicals in the 19th century, synthetic biology, often state funded, is used to grow resources and foodstuffs that have become scarce. Why? Because they use climate change to impose restrictions on the farming community and uh, shut down farms in places like the Netherlands, the number two exporter of uh, food in the entire world. So again, they create the situation and then they 
are there to provide the solution. New threats like weaponized biological pathogens and destructive botnets dominate public attention. Yeah, yeah, they do. They talk about uh, image verification technology, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have as a final point of this Hack Attack segment, they have a little narrative where they talk about life in Hack Attack, which just so happens the main character of this book just so happens to be a former government intelligence officer that is now working in philanthropy. Hey, kind of just like how all of the intelligence officers are you know, leaving the FBI and the CIA to go work at big tech in order to continue their operations there. Or you know, will leave the intelligence agencies and go work for some NGO to take with them their expertise and carry it into a, you know, a private organization rather than a public one. So they're telling you what this is, and again, just keep in your mind what I just said about hack attack and about the, the situation that they're building. And then when you read things like this, Davos Forum 2023, Cooperation in a Fragment World, you see all of this totally reflected in what they're saying. The world is at a tipping point. The COVID crisis and the war in Ukraine have combined to shake up the global economy, economic and social system of increased uncertainty, bringing lower growth and triggering higher inflation. Again, the COVID crisis that we created. The, the disease that we created and the crisis that we exacerbated by our ridiculous lockdown measures and the war in Ukraine that we started with our continual intervention overseas by the intelligence community. So again, all the things that we've created have caused all this uncertainty, and now it's us that needs to have the authority to uh, carry this out. There's also some uh, updates here. I, I haven't been able to confirm this, but they say George Soros has just pulled out of the 2023 World Economic Forum in Davos following Klaus Schwab's similar exit this past Friday. Something is brewing. People uh, suggesting or predicting that there may be some sort of false flag incoming. I do think there's a false flag incoming. I think that's what they're sort of organizing and getting everybody ready for, but it will be a cyber attack. We know cyber polygon and all of these, you know, training, you know, their latest version of the lockstep scenario planning had to do with a cyber attack. And it's no coincidence that hack attack is the name of the uh, program that we just uh, went through. And we'll get into that in the next segment. But first, let's go out to your phone calls. Max in Kansas, off school today for Martin Luther King Day. Thanks for calling in, Max. You're on the air. Yes. Hey, good morning, Harrison. Good morning, Enforce crew and everybody listening. Um, so that, that video you showed last night of the 17-year-old girl speaking about her horrific experience and, uh, and having to be turned or having to be around a naked, creepy guy in the girl's locker room really just, I mean, I mean that, that really pissed me off. I mean, because as a guy, I couldn't even imagine putting myself in those sickos' shoes. You know, walking around in a women's locker room with my junk out, making them scared to want and want to hide. I mean, that's abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how messed up in the head you have to be to think that that's okay? And around a 17-year-old girl, nonetheless, too, a minor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, pray for that girl and what she had to go through. Um, and uh, But I called in today to talk about the toxic, degrading, godless culture that we now live in <laughs> here in America. Um, and, you know, you, you put it quite perfectly on your show yesterday, uh, the fact that societally we've gone too far. Um, and, and way, way, way too far, Harrison. And you know, uh, nothing about this transition of culture is is natural or yeah. just so happened, right? It's not a coincidence. Um, I mean, we are we are seeing changes that have been plotted by people who seek to destroy our bodies, our families, our ability to freely think, and uh, simply our, our our very way of life. I mean, I mean, my goodness, to just stop and and, and take a. Uh, you know, take a look around, have a gander, and I mean, it's uh, 
you have 18-year-old girls joining OnlyFans. You have mm-hmm. schools corrupting and indoctrinating our youth. The media normalizing pedophile pedophilia. Um, you know, college professors are assigning gay porn as projects. Yeah, it's, and just it's, li- it's, it's literally worse than like the fear-mongering, you know, uh, Baptist from the 90s ever said it would be. Brilliant stuff. Thanks for the call. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. It's your last chance to own a piece of real history. Your support of InfoWars has made history. We've had the most devastating effects against the globalists, and their whole agenda is in deep trouble. But now it's more important for us to stay on air than ever. And if you don't support us, we will shut down. I am asking you from the bottom of my heart to commit even harder to the support you've given to this fight and to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and get one of the last signed copies of The Great Reset and the War for the World, my number one worldwide bestseller. You can buy the unsigned book at InfoWars. You can buy it at Amazon, buy it anywhere. But if you want to get the signed copy and be part of a fundraiser to keep us on air at this critical point, if you want to answer our bat signal, please go to InfoWarsStore.com and get your signed copy of The Great Reset and the War for the World right now. I want to thank all of you that did get signed copies, and I want to encourage those of you that didn't to take action now, and please keep us on air. Thank you so much. Please take action. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We'll go out to your phone calls here shortly. Let's talk about where all of this goes, where the World Economic Forum is leading us. So here, this is the World Economic Forum's description of what's happening in Davos. Here's their agenda. Davos Forum 2023, cooperation in a fragmented world. In other words, attention globalists, we have now entered the hack attack phase. Please structure your philanthropic behavior appropriately. And of course, you know, the reason again why we wanted to go through the lockstep document and show you these scenarios is uh, this term adaptive capacity. They use the term adaptive capacity to grade the, the situation in the world. Another term for that would be resilience. When they say adaptive capacity, your capacity to adapt, it means resilience, right? So every time you hear, you hear the word resilience in the when it's repeatedly used in these documents, just know that this is referencing back to this idea that uh, centralization is necessary for capa- cap- uh, uh, adaptive capacity. Therefore, centralization is necessary for resilience. Therefore, when they talk about resilience, what they're talking about is decentralization or centralization. They say the world is at a tipping point. Constantly at a tipping We've been at a tipping point for the last five years. 
The COVID crisis and the war in Ukraine, the disease we created and the crisis we exacerbated and the war that we started, have combined to shake up the global economic and social systems and increasing and increase uncertainty, bringing lower growth and triggering higher inflation. The magnitude of the challenge calls for bold collective action, as stated in the theme of the 53rd Forum. In the current unprecedented context, the event seeks to reaffirm the value of public-private dialogue and cooperation to navigate today's crisis and drive change for the future. Again, reaffirm the value of public-private dialogue and cooperation. In other words, to accelerate and continue the uh, merging and, and coalescing of public and private globalist controlled institutions the same way that you see the fbi controlling what's censored on twitter that's an outcome of of this program what they say is private public dialogue and cooperation that's what that is the host of the meeting the hosts of the meeting stress that recent events around the world urge the public and private sectors alike to address major systemic risks to avert a decade of uncertainty and fragility Fragility would be another way of saying low adaptive capacity. This year's program will have a dual focus. First, to find levers to face current challenges. Secondly, secondly, to place those challenges in the context of the increasingly swift transformation in the world in which we live. Against this backdrop, this year's Davos Forum meetings will focus on five topical themes. Energy and food crises in the context of new systems for energy, climate, and nature. New systems for nature. Yeah, they're going to just replace nature with a system of their design that they think is better. That's what they're telling you. They're at war with God. They're at war with nature. Uh, And they're telling you that. And and again, we don't need to keep going over it, but the economic and food crises are 100% your fault. Nothing happened that was like, it just happened and suddenly we don't have food. It's the lockdowns, the lack of trade, the inability to ship fertilizer around, the actual restrictions you place on fertilizer, your aggressive campaign against farmers themselves to shut them down. The energy crisis wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for the war in Ukraine that you started and the sanctions that you put on Russia and the pipelines that you destroyed and the drilling that you don't allow. And, the, you know, all the things that you do predicated on fighting climate have brought about the economic and you know, energy crisis that we now have that you're now going to solve for us. Again, it's so simple. No one should be fooled by this, but people are. High inflation, low growth, and high debt uh, economics in the context of a new system for investment, trade, and infrastructure. So they're not just replacing energy and food and nature itself. They also want to completely remake the very concept of investing trade and infrastructure into something entirely different, totally useless, but very useful if you are a control freak that wants to dominate human beings. Industry headwinds in the context of new systems to harness technology for innovation and private sector resilience. There's that key word there, resilience. Social vulnerabilities in the context of a new system for work, skills, and care. Geopolitical risk in the context of new systems for dialogue and cooperation in a multipolar world. Dialogue and cooperation in a multipolar world. Polar world, which is interesting because you have headlines like this. Billionaires headed to Davos reflect changed world order. It wasn't so long ago that Russian billionaires were a fixture at Davos as commonplace as Moncler puffer coats. This year, there are zero. The war in Ukraine and Russia's ostracization by the West have effectively banished the oligarchs from the annual confab of capitalist elites. Yeah, take that, Russia. You can't be in our little club anymore. Because, again, they're like, we have to find ways to cooperate in this multipolar world. And then Russia's like, yeah, we're not down with the anti 
human depopulation agenda that you're engaged in and they're just like then you're cut off and you will be destroyed and your leadership will be replaced and your people will be massacred and your economy will be subsumed by our you know growing influence this is this is this is the new form of war it's not gonna be nation states going to war with each other again it'll be leaders whether it's national leaders or community leaders or local leaders they will they are the ones that will be First ostracized, then targeted financially, reputationally in the media, and then you know if if they have to with straight up war like in Ukraine, uh, anybody who opposes them will be on the receiving end of that. So they're multipolar, and you know open cooperation between states only exists if you submit to them and allow them and encourage them and even participate with them in the forcible changing of nature itself and human nature included so again submit to them or be destroyed that is the actual message you know behind the scenes and let's go now to clip number 20 because as they gather in davos the world economic forum is as we've pointed out preparing their local constituents to engage in a, a decentralized takeover attempt and they'll carry this out through a massive false flag cyber attack, like uh, cyber attack, likely blamed on Russia, but certainly causing the destruction and discombobulation that the World Economic Forum needs to carry out their reconstruction and their Great Reset. So let's now go to clip number twenty. Here's Klaus Schwab telling you what they're planning next. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. And just like with Event 201, they have already done the pre-planning, you know, games game uh, scenario of this cyber pandemic preppers, cyber polygon 2022 to focus on digital resilience. That's adaptive capacity. There's that word again in the cloud age. Remember, July 8th of last year, Cyber Polygon 2022 was run under the, na- under the theme Digital Resilience in the Cloud Age, where they prepared for a, quote, cyber pandemic that would wreak havoc over all of society. That may very well be what's coming up next. Expect the false flag. If it doesn't come, hey, then we must have done something to uh, convince the globalists that it wasn't worth it. But if it does happen, just remember, we told you who was doing this and what the purpose of it was from the very beginning. And we're going to go to your phone calls a lot in the next hour because I've spent the first two hours of this show uh, in a monologue, basically. So we'll make up for that in the third hour by taking a lot of your phone calls. But first, I do want to remind you that we're doing a special broadcast tomorrow, but you don't need to wait for tomorrow. As Alex Jones has said, if you've heard the commercials, InfoWars is essentially underwater at this point to the tune of $200,000 a month, which is just absolutely incredible. But we don't need you to give us $200,000. We just need 200,000 people to give us a dollar. So honestly, if every single person listening to this just went on InfoWars and just tossed us a dollar, we would be good, at least for this month. Just want the money if you just like toss us a dollar. Like it's really not hard to support InfoWars. Obviously, the supplements are fantastic. The shirts are amazing, like the highest quality you'll 
ever get. They're, they're unbelievably soft. The hoodies are the same way. It's just like the highest quality you can possibly imagine made so well. Same with the supplements. They're really incredible. They do the things that they say they're going to do. The knockout, the, the down and out will help you sleep. I know from personal experience, they help me sleep. So, you know, it's so easy that, but even if you don't want to commit to buying a supplement, even if you don't want to do something like that, just if you can just make the sacrifice of the price of a single cup of coffee or even better, the price of a single cheeseburger meal at a fast food joint, it would go so far in helping us. So really, we're not asking you to sacrifice your paycheck. We're not asking you to you know, dedicate your life to this, to keep us on the air, to keep us in the eye. We have dedicated our lives. We are going to continue to do this you know, regardless of our, the effects on our personal life or anything of the sort. All we're asking for you is just to toss us a couple bones and help us to continue this operation. Just eat at home instead of going out today and the money that you would have spent on food if you could just go to InfoWarsStore.com and donate it. That alone, it would keep us on air for years if people did that. That's really all we're asking. It is the, it's the smallest sacrifice we ask you to make, and you have no idea how much it helps us and how much we appreciate it, really, from the bottom of our heart. InfoWars is winning. InfoWars is reaching more people than ever. We were supposed to be off the air months and months and months ago. Mainstream media told you, but it's not true. They told you we were going to be shut down. They told you we owed a billion and a half dollars. None of that's true. It's all being appealed. They want you to think InfoWars is dead. But if you simply stand up and support InfoWars, we've got years and years of appeals, and we will not be taken off the air. But if they can convince you that we've been shut down, they're going to win. Don't let the globalists psyop you and your family. Go to InfoWarsStore.com and get incredible products, supplements, books, films, t-shirts, you name it, that fund the InfoWar and empower your life and let the globalists know their psyop has not worked. Thanks for keeping us on air. Take action at InfoWarsStore.com today because the only people that can take us off the air is you, the viewers and listeners. The majority of you have not been psyop, but some of you have. Do not let the globalists brainwash you. Go to InfoWarsStore.com and keep us on the air.